everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I hope you're all having a great summer so far. Today, I have a really fun guest on with me. It's actually a friend of mine and a fellow tax chick, Sarah Cola MB. And Sarah is a wealth advisor with an accounting background. And when I first met Sarah, she was actually working as a tax accountant, and she's now transitioned to working as a wealth advisor. And Sarah takes what she calls a holistic approach to solving her clients' financial puzzles. She utilizes her accounting and tax background when working with clients to create a tailored financial plan to ensure they achieve and maintain financial security through making informed decisions regarding their investments, their insurance, their estate plans, and other decisions that life brings. She primarily works with business owners and professionals who are looking to work with a tax and wealth planning expert so they can ensure their business and family can thrive now and in the future. Sarah holds a chartered professional accountant designation, a trust and estate practitioner designation, and also a certified financial planner designation. And all the information on how to connect with Sarah will be found in the show notes. So Sarah and I have a chat today about this concept of holistic wealth planning, which I know sounds a bit like a buzzword, but it's actually a really important phrase to sort of include in your in your vocabulary. We talk about how you can be utilizing your current advisory team. To make sure that they're looking at all aspects of your life, we talk about how using a wealth advisor or using a financial advisor is more than just, you know, phoning them once a year to say, I want to max out my RRSPs. It's so much more than that. And there's so many amazing things that they can help you with throughout your life. And if you're listening to this and you have a pension plan and you're thinking, I don't need a wealth advisor, or maybe you're just starting out in your career or your profession and you think, I don't really have any money to invest. Um, One of the purposes of this podcast episode is to talk about all the different ways that wealth advisors can be helpful to you in your life. And really at any stage of your life, it's never too early and it's never too late to seek some advice. And you may find out you don't need to do anything right now but maybe you need to do something in five years or in 10 years or when a certain event happens. And so we're really encouraging you to reach out and start a conversation. Be curious, ask lots of questions. You know, I love to ask questions and uh, and really take control over your financial future and over your finances right now. So without further ado, I will give you this episode and I really hope that you enjoy it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Tax Chicks Podcast. I'm so excited because today I have a good friend of mine, Sarah Cole Empey, with me. And Sarah is a fellow tax chick who also works in my building, which is super convenient, although we just don't see each other as often as we should, considering you're only one floor up. Um, But it's so great uh, to have you here today. Thank you so much for, for jumping on the podcast. Thanks, Amanda. It's great to be here. So I gave you a little warning that I wanted to ask you the same questions that I ask all of my guests. Um, I just want to roll with these questions first. I'm actually really curious to see your answer because you're always working on something cool or listening to something different. Um, So my first question is, what is the favorite podcast that you listen to or the last podcast that you listened to? So the last one I listened to was um, the last episode of Dynasty by Vanity Fair. Oh, I haven't heard of that. Is that about the show? No, it's about the royals. So I'm a bit of a royal buff and anything that has to do with the royal family, I binge it. That podcast was quite fascinating. They go back in time and they talk about the history of the royal family. And then some of the more recent episodes um, were, were on more recent topics with the royals. But it was a great podcast. 
it's not one that's going to continue. So it was a one and done. But Oh, I'm so excited because I love the Royals. I did not know that you liked the Royals. I also love the Royals. I did not know about this podcast. I'm totally going to check this one out. It's amazing. You'll love it. And we'll we'll put that one down in the show notes um, in case anybody else is listening who really likes the Royals too um, and wants to listen to this one. Um, the other question that I have, and I, I do text with you every now and then, so maybe I know the answer, but what is the emoji you use most often when you're texting? Um, I have two. So I use the winky face a lot. And I think the reason for that is that I tend to be a bit sarcastic sometimes. And that's harder to convey when you're texting. So that winky face gives you an indication. Um, I think the laugh out loud emoji is also quite popular in my texting repertoire. But uh, There you go. That's what I was going to say. I've seen that one come up a few times. Okay. I was wondering if it fit with what you were expecting. Well, and I realized that I'm now in season three. And what I should have been doing as like the headings or the titles for each episode is I should have put people's emoji behind the title. But now it's too late. I feel like I can't start now because I'm in season three and I should have started that in season one. Anyway, whatever. Um, But we're not here to talk about um, emojis. But thank you for for humoring me with my initial questions. Um, Today, we're here to talk about holistic wealth advising. And I recognize that sounds like a maybe a cool phrase or a buzzword phrase, um, but I'm very excited to get into this topic with you today and to talk about how people often misunderstand or, or fail to recognize how they can utilize a wealth advisor in their life. And so there were three big topics that we wanted to tackle today. The first one is, why is working with the wealth advisor more than just about buying RRSPs and TFSAs? Because I think that's what a lot of people use their advisors for. The The second question is um, we wanted to talk about what is a holistic wealth plan? So what does it mean to have not just a plan, but a holistic wealth plan? And finally, what are some of the ways that we can maximize our relationships with our advisors throughout our lifetime? So Maybe we should just dive right in because these are some pretty exciting topics. How about we tackle the first one? So Sarah, tell us why working with a wealth advisor is about more than just buying RRSPs and TFSAs. Well, I I mean, as a wealth advisor, really my role is to develop strategies to help maximize my client's wealth and to help get them from point A to B. So the path from point A to B isn't linear. And as we know, there's often obstacles that are thrown in our way. And really, my job is to to help through all those different stages. Um, One of the the things I often say is that decisions in life are easier when you know where you're going. And my role as an advisor is to help clients define where they're going. So maybe I can illustrate this with a bit of an example, Amanda, just in terms of how I work with clients. So I have um, some young professionals that I started working with a number of years ago, and in you know, our first meetings, we talk about what the future looks for them, what they desire, where they plan to be. Um, and of course, they're planning for retirement eventually, and they'd like to be financially independent in the future. Um, but one of the really big questions for me was, where should we be allocating our free cash flow? Um, should we, you know, we, we really would like to pay off our mortgage quicker than the normal amortization period. That's one of our priorities. We don't like holding a lot of debt. But are we better to pay off our mortgage, take all of our free cash flow, pay that off quickly, or should we be investing for the future? So I took this back and and I looked at some projections and ultimately the strategy that we ended up putting in place for them was to 
maximize their RRSPs every year. You know, they, they are young professionals and making a really good income. So it made a lot of sense for them to be deducting their RRSPs at that tax bracket. So we're going to, we're going to buy the RRSPs every year. And then we're going to take the tax savings from buying the RRSP and we're going to put a lump sum on their mortgage every year. So we're accomplishing both goals. And by doing this, the end result that we're projecting, and of course it's a projection, things never happen exactly as we expect, but it's going to take an extra four years to pay off their mortgage than if they just put all their free cash flow to their mortgage. But at the end of those four years, once the mortgage is paid off, um, we're projecting that they'd have an additional 280000 of invested assets. So we're accomplishing both goals. We're eliminating the debt and, you know, a lot quicker than the amortization, normal amortization of their mortgage. But we're also putting money away for retirement and helping them become financially independent. So in this situation, really, the RRSPs are just a solution that we're looking to employ to help them achieve their goals. That's a really fabulous example. And what what's coming to my mind when I'm hearing you talk about this is this sort of power of communication. So the idea that when you have an advisor, it's not just like a one-way street. It's about having a conversation with the advisor about what it is that you're looking for and what you're worried about. You know, for example, you said they're very concerned about carrying a lot of debt. A lot of people are concerned about that. Well, what does that mean and how how can we how can we deal with that while still making sure you have sufficient cash flow for retirement and still have sufficient investments in place so i think it's interesting that you're talking about a conversation do you find that oftentimes people change their minds over the years as they're working with you like it's i'm assuming people don't set a goal and then never change it um yeah things change all the time because things in our lives change so somebody maybe planning for retirement, and they may say, I, I want to be done by 55. And then they get to 55. And they're like, you know, what? I kind of like my job. I like what I do. I'm not ready to retire. So we might adjust, they might start consulting, they might not actually retire. Um, lots of times people have goals on or actually one thing that's quite common is people will say, I'm never going to own a vacation property. <laughs> I don't want the maintenance of both properties. We don't need to plan for that. You know, I'm just going to Airbnb. And then life moves along. Things in their lives change. You know, the kids grow up. Or when the kids are young, they decide it's a priority because they want to spend time at the cabin with the kids. And all of a sudden, they want a vacation property. And then we're looking at, you know, our, our efficient allocation of their capital and how we fit that vacation property into the plan so that we can still achieve all the goals. So you have to keep it flexible. I mean, I say this with my clients too, is that they can't, they can't close doors for themselves. So you have to, you have to make sure whatever decision you're making, you know, at age 30, isn't closing a door for yourself at age 40. Cause who knows what life's going to take you? Who knows if there'll be a divorce or a death or, you know, a health issue or something else that pops up that's somewhat unexpected and kind of throws a wrench into things. No, that's that's very interesting. Do you if, if someone's listening to this right now and they're thinking, well, you know, I have I have a job with a pension and I don't really think I, I need an advisor. Like what would I use an advisor for? What what would you say to that person? Um, I think that even though they have a pension, that's great, first of all. The fact that they have a pension is great. A lot of people don't anymore. I think there's still a lot of roles for an advisor. Um, there's the whole defensive side of planning. Right. Like the pension's an offensive strategy, but there's the defensive side. Is their family protected if, unfortunately, there's a death in the family 
or if somebody gets a critical illness, are they protected? And working with an advisor, they're going to they're gonna determine that. So the other way, way that an advisor helps is um, a lot of people, their success with money isn't necessarily what they know. It's how they behave with money. And an advisor can often help you make decisions and remove the emotional bias that you might have. They can point out things you never would have considered, and they can really give advice and help you plan your life in a way that that you wouldn't have thought of because you just don't know what you don't know. Fair enough, fair enough. I know I did an episode early on in in the podcast with uh, with my financial advisor um, where we talked about, you know, what is a financial advisor? How do they get paid? Um, so if someone's listening to this and wondering about some of the basics and the foundations, pop back to that original episode so we won't cover that today. Um, but I think a, a wealth advisor is like another member of your team. And everyone can use someone like that on their team because it avoids you having to make all these decisions yourself. If you have questions and if you're wondering about what your options are, you actually have somebody that you can go and talk to and say, here's my questions. Here's what I'm wondering about. Here's what I'm worried about. Because I find oftentimes this is a worry thing. Um, and they can answer those questions for you and give you options. And and it's usually, I mean, in terms of when you look at how someone's getting paid, there are some upfront fees that can be paid, but not always. It depends on what the relationship is. So people are often afraid to go this route because they think, oh, it's going to cost me so much more money. Not necessarily. Um, so I think it's important to think about the different ways you can utilize um, your wealth advisor. I, I'm not quite sure what I would do without mine. I, I phone all the time when we're when we're trying to make sort of big life decisions and, and how that's going to impact our cash flow and our ultimate plans for retirement and, and for the future. So, okay. Well, I wonder if this is maybe a good segue into topic two, this idea of we've kind of danced around the phrase holistic wealth plan <laughs> and it sounds kind of fancy and we don't normally talk fancy on this podcast, but <laughs> I, I want us to describe or for you to describe what is a holistic wealth plan? Yeah. So, you know, I always say to clients that predicting the future isn't my business. Planning for it is. So when we're meeting with clients, especially when we're onboarding a new client, we're looking at this holistic wealth plan and there's multiple facets of it. Um, some of the most common are there's the offensive and defensive strategies. I know we kind of address the defensive, but the offensive strategies are, are planning for, for the long term, making sure that clients have enough assets to get them through retirement so they can enjoy and maintain their standard of living Um We'll be looking at efficient allocation of capital. So, you know, that story that I shared about about the one couple that I worked with, that that would fall into the offensive strategies of when we're doing the holistic wealth plan. Then there's the defensive. And like I said, really, this is this is planning for all the obstacles that life can just naturally throw in the way. And it's it's doing a full insurance review and asking the the what if questions. And those what if questions are often uncomfortable. And sometimes clients will say to me, you know, I don't even want to think about that. And I often say, I know what's uncomfortable, but the reality is, is I want to address it today when we can put planning in place to ensure that if this becomes a reality in the future, you know, if somebody gets a critical illness, we can make sure that you're protected so that the financial concern isn't, isn't an issue for you and you can mm -hmm. make sure that you can focus on your family and you can and you can get better. So those are the defensive strategies. Um, another defensive strategy that often comes up, 
know, when we're dealing with clients, and I think you've had a podcast on this topic, um, the conversation of should clients be looking at a prenup or a postnup? You know, when when mm-hmm. people are getting married, is a prenup warranted? Depending on their their own situation, so those are a lot of the different defensive strategies we'll talk about, and and cash flow is always going to fit into all of those things. We need to look mm-hmm. at efficient allocation and how that ties in where we should be putting that money and where it's best served. Um, and then we have estate planning. Um, one of the questions I always ask a, a new client is, do you have a will and a power of attorney? And Amanda, I'm sure you're not shocked to hear that often, <laughs> not always, but often the response is, no, we don't. Um, so... Well, and I think the second biggest response is, I think so, but I can't remember what it says. That's the other one I get all the time too. Or, and then they look at each other and go, where did we put it? Is it in the safety deposit box? And it goes down this whole path. So, you know, it's been like 10 years since they've looked at it. Yeah. We have this (laughs) rabbit hole of estate planning concerns. So that's a really good touch point to just go back. And if they don't have it, well, we can talk about it and we can refer them. Um, if they don't have a lawyer to to get those documents put in place, and if they have it, we can revisit it. We can review. We can make sure yeah. make sure that it still makes sense. Um, with estate planning, we'll often look at different charitable giving strategies for the client and beneficiary designations. Again, a topic I know that you've mm-hmm. that you've touched on in your podcast, but all of those are really important and need to be in, included in the plan. Um, and then we look at tax planning and and I, I say this last because I think tax planning, it it's common in all of these different parts. We need to make sure that the tax planning is efficient in portfolio design. Um, we need to make sure that we're using the right investment vehicles, that we're maximizing the benefits from the RSPs and TFSAs, that we're looking at tax efficient estate transfer, um, if that's a concern for the client. So that's a, a really big piece of the holistic plan and then another big piece of the plan is to include clients, other other advisors in different stages where where it's warranted. Because as a wealth advisor, I don't know everything. I know that I don't know everything. And I know that there's, you know, there's a really fundamental role that the other advisors play in developing a really robust, holistic wealth plan. Well, and I think, so A, you've done a great job of like promoing my other podcast episodes. So thanks for that. Um, If anyone's listening to this, um, if you haven't gone back and listened to Christine Van Cowenberg from season two, that's where we talk about life insurance, uh, beneficiary designations, those sorts of things. I've had an episode also in season two with with Mahul Gandhi of Mind Your Biz Pod, where we talk about collaborative planning, uh, very similar to what Sarah's talking about. And then uh, one of my first episodes was with my law partner, Kim Room where we talk about prenups, postnups, uh, taxation of family law issues. But I think it's it's interesting, Sarah, that just you talking kind of brought up all these issues because I think when people think about wealth planning and they think about estate planning, they assume, oh, I just have to go in and make a will. It's just like a fill in the blanks exercise. Like, what's the big deal? And it is just so much bigger than that. And and sometimes they come in and and we address all of these items and there's nothing really to get excited about. It's a really basic will. But as you move through life, it, it definitely won't continue that way. And so it's so important for people to understand at least what's in their documents. I, I also like the way that you approach the concept of tax planning. And I mean, I know that that in your in your other life, you were a tax accountant. And so, um, you know, you and I have that um, that tax piece in common. 
But I like the way that you approached it because tax planning is just one of the things. Um, so we can't we can't look at tax as the be all and the end all. And and so many people come in and see us and say, well, I just want the plan that saves me the most tax. And maybe like we can give that to you, but what else is that plan creating? What problems is that plan going to create for you? Because we're trying to save you tax. You know, maybe it's now creating a loss of control over your business or, you know, impacting your cash flow. I, I think your approach to making sure that people are having a good life right now, but also planning for the future is important. And so few people want to address those ugly conversations of, well, what happens when I retire? What do I want to do when I retire? How much is that going to cost me? And oh, wait, do I have enough money? There's no money tree that magically grows in your backyard when you retire. But I've, I've had clients do this so often or they want to give everything away in lifetime to their kids. And then we go, well, what are you going to have for retirement? And they kind of look at you because they're, they're not thinking about that. So this, this concept of holistic wealth planning is just looking at more than just your investments. It's looking at you and your life and the things that might happen to you, good and bad, and how your wealth planning kind of flows into that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times an advisor can be that that sober second thought mm-hmm. um, for clients when I, I've had clients as well come in and say, you know, I really want to gift this this much to my to my kids. And it's like, well, yeah, you, you can. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you do that, these are the implications to your entire plan. And this is what you might not be able to accomplish that you've told me is a priority for you. So so sometimes I think the advisor can be that that sober second thought. Um, and, and I think what you said there too, Amanda, it resonates with me because I often tell clients, you have to live for today, but you have to plan for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you should never be, you know, putting, I'll never advocate for clients to, to use all their excess cash flow to plan for tomorrow because tomorrow may come, it may not. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to enjoy life today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I think the last couple of years has certainly taught us that um, with the pandemic and everything that's happened. And I feel like it's shifted the way that people think about estate planning and the way they think about their retirement planning um, and, and even how long they want to keep working. I, I feel like a lot of clients have just completely changed their mind about how long they want to stay with their business or, or what their retirement plans are. And, and they're, kind of, they're kind of taking the approach of, I want to get out now and go travel and enjoy myself. Well, Hopefully, you have a wealth plan in place that allows you to do that Um, because otherwise you might be stuck in a situation longer than you want to be because you weren't really actively taking control over over your life. It's it's your stuff. Take control over it. Totally. And I think a lot of people, what a lot of people don't realize is that often that period of retirement, the years of retirement is often longer Mm. than the the years that they're actually putting money away for retirement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. And I know my girlfriends and I have a group chat and a couple of years ago, one of them said, you know, my husband said, maybe we should start thinking about retirement. And I had a little laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's past, you know, it's overdue to start thinking about that. It's time. It's time. Well, and I find too, and I don't know if the accounting profession is like this, but I find the legal profession is like this, that we go to law school, they spit us out. We go and work for a law firm. There's no pension. There's no investment strategy. And you're making decent money, but nobody really talks to you about things like insurance or, you know, investment planning. And so at the end of the day, even if you become a partner in a law firm, I mean, you can't retire off of your buyout from a partnership. That's never going to happen. But so few people really stop and think, 
wait a minute, where should we be putting this money? How should I be handling the debt that I'm picking up? And so I do find as, as young professionals, this is such a wonderful time to kind of get in the system. So if you're a young professional hearing this, great time to come and, and try to get a little bit of advice because maybe you don't need too much right now, but if you can at least have the conversation and get things started, then you're not 45 years old and wondering, hmm, I'd kind of like to be done this in the next 10 years, but you don't actually know if you can. And you always want to know what you can do. Absolutely. That's great advice, Amanda. Well, and maybe this moves us into the third topic that you want to talk about, which is this concept of, you know, how do you maximize your relationship with your advisor? Because we've kind of been hinting at it. And and clearly it's more than just you phone them up, you know, the first week of February and say, I want to max out my RRSPs. I mean, I've, I've done that before. <laughs> the first in a panic. is the last. Yeah. <laughs> So, so what are your, what are your thoughts on that? How should people be utilizing their wealth advisor? Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things people need to do when they're dealing with any advisor for that matter is be honest. Um, honesty is the fundamental principle. I think that all relationships require. And I always discuss this when I'm onboarding a new client, I discuss the fact that, you know, as part of our relationship and you always hope that that relationship is going to see you know, you're going to be with the client for a number of years and you're going to see them through a lot of different different facets of their life. And honesty needs to be present in, in all of that. So I'm always going to be honest in that, um, you know, if I see an issue, I'm going to raise it. And I expect a client to be honest. If they ever have a concern, they need to bring it forward. And because I think that that's just a fundamental principle. A- another tip is be curious and ask questions. Um, no question is a stupid question. Mm -hmm. And I know we're all told that. I remember when I had, you know, my, the junior tax accountants and, and you'd say that to them, you'd say no questions, a stupid question. And they'd kind of roll their eyes (laughs) at you, but it's true. And often the reason clients are working with a wealth advisor or any advisor for that matter is because it's an area that they don't have Mm -hmm. knowledge in. So ask questions. Um, one of the things that I love when clients do, and I'd implore anyone to do this, if you're calling a meeting with your advisor, send them an email or have a quick call, you know, a week prior to the meeting and give them an idea of what you're looking to Uh accomplish in the meeting. And really the reason for this is it's twofold. Um, it allows the advisor to be more prepared for the meeting and to step back and think about how these conversations integrate into the entire wealth plan, Uh which is key. Uh, the other thing is that it it gives the client a lot more value in that meeting. And I think it maximizes the value for both. It's just, it's more efficient. And then we can ensure that all of the questions that the client has are addressed. So I love that when people do that and I'd implore everyone to do that. Um, a- another thing that I think can maximize your relationship with your advisor is don't be afraid to bother uh-huh. your advisor. Uh-huh. I don't know if you get this, but so yeah. many times clients will call and they're, you know, I'm sorry to bother you. I know. They're apologizing before they even get out of their mouth why they're calling. I know. That's right. And it, and I always say to them, you're not bothering me. That's why we work together. Mm-hmm. I am here as a resource for you. So don't be afraid to bother your advisor. Um, you know, that's, that's number one <laughs> and fundamental. Also, if your advisor isn't proactive in asking to deal with your other advisors, ask them to be. Mm-hmm. So... I often say I'm a bit of a quarterback in dealing with clients and I, I'm using these sports. And I know I didn't know right. you were such a football fan, but I, I know just enough to follow you. That's about it. Yeah. 
You got to no, use NBA uh, I, terms for me. Yeah, I am not a sports fan <laughs> by any means, but my husband is a huge sports fan, and and you know we have season tickets for the Riders. Well, we do live in Saskatchewan, football. so you kind of have to you have to play to the to the team that's here, right? That, that's right. Um, but I I think I more go to people watch. But anyway. <laughs> So I often say I'm a quarterback and, you know, I might notice a, a tax planning strategy for a business client and we'll talk about it. And I'll go, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So then we, we decide we should loop the accountant in. And rather than having my client go to the accountant and, and try to portray what we discussed, I'll just ask for permission to reach out to their client directly. And, and I think that this makes things a lot more efficient I think that the client um, doesn't need to be conveying these tasks. They often don't fully understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and when, I'm, when I'm talking about this with clients, I often try to, you know, use analogies that they can relate to. So if I'm, you know, talking to a medical professional, I compare this to, you know, if a family doctor notices something and they, they see a reason to refer somebody to a specialist, they're not going to ask the patient mm-hmm. to call up the specialist and have the discussion. Because mm-hmm. the patient, if, if it's me, mm-hmm. won't understand any of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That family doctor has the conversation. And really, that that's the same in working with all your professional advisors. So I implore people, if, if you don't find your advisors are naturally connecting, ask them to. I'm sure that they're more than happy to. Yeah, and I think if they're not, that's a sign to consider who is on your advisory team. Because you should be working with collaborative advisors. Nobody should be concerned about bringing somebody else in. It's I, I love working with advisors like you, Sarah, because I know that I can pick up the phone and once I have the client's permission and we can have an open discussion and I can double check designations and I can double check with you what their overall plan is and we can get on a call together with the client and present a united front. And that's so much better for the client than them chasing all of us around which nobody has time for these days, you know, let you're paying me, let me do the chasing. And then we'll come back to you all together and say, we've all looked at this. Here's the big picture plan. Here's the pros and the cons. And we're all here. If you have any questions, there's something really beautiful about that. Absolutely. You, you said that very eloquently. (laughs) I haven't even had my coffee yet this morning. I guess it's a good day. So I like those tips that you've given us because I I think that especially this concept of proactivity, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call your advisor. And I, I think that does apply to any advisor, not just a wealth advisor. But if you can give us a bit of a heads up, um, and I, I those sometimes I get those cryptic emails from clients, I want to come in and see you. Well, sure, I'm happy to meet with you. What, what are we going to talk about? Is it one of your corporations? Is it your estate planning? Is it some brand new issue? And then I, I get a very cryptic response back that like I'm on a need to know basis. And and that's fine. <laughs> I, I can roll with the punches when we're in the meeting. But if you actually want a well thought out, you know, ready to go opinion, it's much easier if you give me a heads up on the way in. Then I can pull the profile reports, grab the important files, double check what we did a year ago, check in with your advisors if need be, and then come into the meeting somewhat more prepared. Um, and I recognize sometimes that's not possible, but I, it, it does make a huge difference if we have a little bit of, of prep time before walking into one of those. Absolutely. And I mean, we know all of our clients are very busy people too. Mm -hmm. I think that they would appreciate, you know, only having to potentially have one meeting versus having to have two because they, you know, they pop a question on us in the meeting and it's, well, that's a very good question. I'd like to take a minute (laughs) to step back and I'll come back to you. And, and, you know, sometimes we can avoid 
those numbers of meetings, which helps the client because they're all busy as well. Well, and I think you stumbled upon something that I think is very important, which is it's really important that your advisor admits when they don't know the answer. And if you have an advisor that never, ever admits that they don't know the answer, that's a concern because we honestly, we have no idea sometimes. And you'll come in and it's at a left field. And especially with tax planning, I sometimes got to go pull out the act and see what the latest scenario is. Things have been changing so much that I can't just off the cuff give you a detailed response. And and even with investment strategies, sometimes you got to go back to the, the drawing board and see what's happening. And so if you have someone that's going, oh, yes, yes, and kind of paying you lip service, that's a concern. You kind of want to hear the words, I need to check on that and I will let you know. Because then at least you know you can trust whenever the person says they do know because they'll tell you when they don't know. Um, this is about you know utilizing and leveraging somebody else's expertise. That's all this is. It's not an expectation to know everything, and which is also a great way to bring in other advisors because then I don't have to know all of the investment strategy side because I have you on the file. So that saves me a whole bunch of pain. Um, and, you know, I don't need to know what's in the tax returns because I can bring in the tax accountant. And there's a lot of beauty in that. Absolutely. So do you have any um, parting words of wisdom for our listeners about holistic wealth advising? If someone's kind of sitting at home right now kind of going, oh, I don't know, what, do, what would you say? Uh, you know, I'd implore them to take an active role in it. Um, no time is too late. Mm-hmm. And take an active role, be interested, be curious, and make sure that your plan fits for what you truly want to accomplish in life. That was a very good summary. I did not even tell you that I was going to ask you that. And that was just a beautiful little ending. Great job, Sarah. I like that advice. I I really appreciate you popping on the podcast today and all of the information about how to connect with Sarah, um, including to sign up for her newsletter, which I actually, I really like your newsletter. It comes into my inbox and I read it feverishly each time it arrives. So all that information will be available in the show notes. And I just thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciated it. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you laugh. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and to find out more about my amazing guest today. And if you'd like to learn more about any of the topics that we covered on today's podcast or about other topics relating to tax in general, I do invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter, Musings of a Tax Chick, and follow me on Instagram. My handle is at tax.chick. If you enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also click subscribe so you make sure you never miss a new episode. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.